This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, with the refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back, a college world series title. Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. No Razorbacks taken, Tommy. No Razorbacks in the first round of the draft. Uh, really surprising. I awesome. stayed up late waiting. I know. Thinking. Just any any minute now. Any minute. Somebody is going to take a chance on a Razorback, but I uh, guess we're going to have to wait till today. See how the... Uh, the next couple of rounds go in throughout the rest of the weekend. So who knows? Maybe someone can explain what Kyler Murray was wearing. What Somebody color, can explain what color was that? He was a week late. That, that was an Easter color. I, I'm sure you appreciated that color, but that, 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 is, that, that may have been even too much for me. And that's saying something. <laughs> that may have been just over the top for me. But, I, but I like, he accomplished his goal. We're talking about it. That's right. Well, hey, listen. I want to. We could talk about what any of these players that were drafted were wearing. Some like well, there were some of them that just wore yeah. your good old fashioned suits. Then there are other people that are wearing outfits and and it almost looked like costumes. My like, good grief! Like is that is that? I don't know, Tommy. I'm sure just because of knowing you that if you were drafted into the NFL and you were going onto the stage to shake Roger Goodell's hand and hold a jersey up, I feel like you would probably have you a nice heart shafter and mark suit with some white pinstripes that was black. And, and well, a nice tie, nothing too over the top. When I was drafted, I I wore Ralph Lauren. Just oh, Ralph suit. Lauren. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, I got to get had to yeah. make sure I knew who polo. you were wearing. Polo, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is, like, I feel like if I was up there, even and sometimes I go with very colorful outfits and stuff. Even I yeah. would have to pump the brakes on some of these things. But, yeah. but it's about standing out, and it's about your moment. And it is, uh, it is about all of these guys getting. It looked paid. like a stick of bubble gum or something yeah. he was wearing. <laughs> yeah, it was like I, I, I was trying to figure it out because again, if you're the number one overall pick, you're going to be uh, going down in history, at least in some form or fashion, whether or not you live up to the expectations or you may be one of those busts. That's yeah. kind of what goes along with being the first and the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, but. Looks like that's what Arizona decided to do. What they say, one hundred and fifty thousand people were yes. on the streets of Nashville. Any any desire by anyone in the room to be in that mix, to be in that crowd? Uh, that, that, yeah. I mean, I'd maybe, like to be down there. I mean, just maybe for the party scene. But I don't. I don't know if I'd like. See, it, it's not something that appeals to me. It doesn't me appeal being to me. One one of one hundred and fifty thousand. I'm out. I mean, like Times Square. New York City, New Year's Eve, no yeah. that no appeal. But being in in the, I mean, because what are you really going to? I, I go back to what are you really going to get to see? Because let's face it, we don't have the bucks, the know how, the pool. We're not going to get like front. A, we're not going to go twenty four hours advance camp out to be like on the front row. Mm-hmm. You know, general admission. We're not going to do that. We're too lazy. And number two, we don't have. We're not going to spend the dollars to get like. VIP concierge treatment. So what are you going to see? You're just going to be there to say yeah. you were there. But you, I mean, you got to admit, though, and I'm not in on that. Yeah. I mean, but you got to admit, but Tommy. I, I, and I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed as an observer the amount of people that do it. I, I 
I'm with you, and I agree. But you have to admit, Tommy, though, that if they announce, if the NFL announced said we are doing the NFL draft in Fort Smith, Arkansas, <laughs> well, which is not going to happen, but just ever but or just, anywhere in Arkansas, anywhere in Arkansas, but just say if they said we're doing it in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And you, who live here... We're going to do it on Dixon Street. Let's make it a little more realistic. Well, I'm just saying, some place... Or the to, river market in Little Rock. Some place so. that's close in proximity to you, and in, in, in a city, in a Let's place say, that's not really going to have something like that again. Would Brick, you not be interested Brick in going? Brick in Oklahoma City. Okay, so. or, or just somewhere that's in proximity to where it's right. like next to you, would you not be interested in going just as a local? Just saying, hey, this is not going to happen very often. This would yeah. be kind of cool to see how it goes and how it's... And represent yeah. and all that. Yeah, but, but to stand out there for hours on end... And essentially a mosh pit for hours after hour after hour in to, the rain. to see in rain to <laughs> see to to uh, maybe maybe there is enough alcohol maybe but it would take a lot it would it would <laughs> it would take a lot maybe and, I'm just grown past that maybe I can't see the world through that that prism or that lens because I'm not twenty five like or twenty four like Ty. Well, is there anything of like that event that would have that many people that you would do that for? That you would stand out there and camp out there? Like, would there be something like that that you would say is worth it? Probably nothing to make my mother proud. (laughs) (laughs) Or my wife. Yeah, probably nothing you can really share publicly Uh, here on the air. Nothing that wouldn't bring me shame. Be the, probably the same way, honestly. Well, I mean, I didn't know if there was a concert because I know you're a big George Strait fan. I mean, would that would George Strait concert be worth that? Nope. Oh man, I'm just not. Listen, i I don't have the line. I don't have the patience to sit in line at McDonald's. There's like four cars, and no, I'm just not that hungry. I just don't have the damn patience for that. So I'm I'm sure as hell not going to be one of 150 thousand. That's just not me. Well, see, I guess, and I'm different because in my college career, I mean, of seven and a half years, I don't years, eat a Chick Fil A because there's two two dead yeah. many cars. Yeah, well, and they get you through quick. I hear, but I'm not going to find out. I just too many cars. I'm not going to do it. Well, in my college career of seven and a half years, I spent <laughs> most of that time waiting and camping out and getting there early to be in the front row of the student section. Yeah, which it didn't really bother me all that much because it's like, hey, what was I going to do anyway? You know, I, I, I had nothing. I had no life. I had no money. I, I was just going to sit there. And get on my phone anyway. So it's kind of the same concept. That it was like, all right, I could sit there and I could wait if it was something I really wanted to do and really wanted to see. I just don't know if the NFL draft would have that much appeal to me. Yeah. I, I, and I'm just, maybe it's just because there's not the, the NFL drive here in this state, or I'm not a big NFL I, fan like I am college football. But. I suppose when I was 25 or 30, maybe there were things that would have. I, I think now that I've grown to the ripe old age of 43. I've just grown out of some of that. I just don't have the patience for it anymore. I'm telling you, kids will suck the life out of you. I'm just telling you. Can't wait. Right now. The frustration that comes. <laughs> no, they're lovely. They're lovely. But I'm just telling you, you just, uh, I think I've grown past some of that. And I just don't have the patience. I can't handle the frustration. You'd wait in line, though, if it was like a national championship that Arkansas was football was playing in, right? If it meant like getting good tickets. Would you wait in line for that? See, now you're talking fantasy again. Well, I, I know I'm talking <laughs> fantasy. That's all we have to go off of. Are we of. talking football? 
We're talking football. Okay, let's make sure. Let's talk about the sport here. Yeah, no, it's football. Football. You know, you, now you now you got now you've piqued my interest. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is we gotta we gotta dig deep yeah, and yeah. find out what yeah. Tommy Kraft would say so is worth waiting a line what's for. What's striking a nerve here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's what's worth his what's worth his time? What event is worth his time? Yeah. So I mean. That those there at the NFL draft last night in Nashville. Oh, hey, it's too many barnacles have grown on the underbelly here. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But you got to. I think it's a great idea how the NFL's draft oh, is moving I, around. Listen, too. on TV, and I watched, and it, it's a great show on TV. And I am more than happy to watch it on TV. Yes. It just, I mean, I, if I lived in Nashville, maybe you go down the day or two before. You check out some of the party scene. I saw Ty, you, you retwe- retweeted, to get a table at some of these places, like a minimum spend of twenty five hundred bucks to get to even get in the house. Yeah, it's a big corporate event. It's kind of like the Super Bowl where it, a lot of uh, Jason Aldean's place or something. I ain't doing that. Yeah, Fortune. <laughs> it's like a lot of Fortune five hundred companies are sending like their higher level employees down there because of how expensive it was, and it was an awesome event. Like you saw the setup and everything, but the price of trying to go downtown, uh, it's it, it it's it's up there. Plus, yeah, if I you're mean, a bachelorette, like many of the Bachelorettes that went this weekend, they were very disappointed to find yeah, out that the that city was just flocked with NFL fans. How do you not know that? Because you're not interested yeah. in the NFL. You don't watch sports. Do you not have Google? Do you not have a phone? I mean, how do you not... All you care about is your bachelorette party, Tommy. But but when you search out calendars and things to do and events throughout the city of Nashville for your weekend... You didn't happen to notice that the NFL draft was going on? You didn't happen to notice that hotels were four times higher than market? Guess not. (laughs) Guess not. Yeah, that's on them, though. Because in case you're just wondering what we're talking about, there was a news story, a local news story there in Nashville, where there was a plethora of bachelorettes who were very upset the fact that their bachelorette party there in Nashville was not going to be going according to plan because the NFL draft was there that weekend. Hotel rooms for the SEC tournament are like, Two fifty three hundred, pretty much. What do you think they're running right now? I mean, you can't get one. I'm sure. I'm sure it's sold out across the board. Well, I'm sure online it says uh, contact us for price. Right. You know they don't even list the price. <laughs> That's how bad it is. It's like, like, what do you think it would take? Look that up, Ty. What just just what do you, you even think you could get a hotel? <laughs> no, I, I doubt you could even a get a room for tonight. But it'd have to be north of a thousand, right? I think even uh, more, probably even the Super uh, Eight, maybe more than a thousand. <laughs> down, not, not not on the outskirts, but yeah, just like right there in the mix of you know somewhere within draft, a mile yeah. or two of Bridgestone. You ain't get one. No, you ain't get one. Yeah, it's about around three hundred ballpark. Three hundred bucks a night. That's that's not too bad. Yeah. Oh, I thought it'd be like eight nine hundred yeah. minimum. Well, again, maybe that's just the price they're showing you, but then mm-hmm. they added all these extra fees and whatnot. You know, it could be one of those deals. I just so. know how high it is just for a, for a you know normal event in a place like Nashville, like the SEC tournament. Yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah, or just to go into like so the, I can only imagine what the prices of everything else there are for the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just no telling. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast, brought to you by the all new Natural Light Natterdays, a light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown Hogs! Holy Hog! There's been a lot of Razorbacks that have gone high in the NFL draft. I guess the 
the one of recent memory is probably Darren McFadden going the highest at fifth overall to Oakland. Jamal Anderson, I believe, went eighth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Ragnall's the most recent first-rounder, right. and that was, was it 19th or 21st? Uh, Somewhere right. And it was, and it was later the in the first. Right. Later, later in the first round. But. Right. But, but Arkansas is... Ne- Bless you. Now, Arkansas has never had a number one overall pick. It was almost a girl sneeze there. Well, no, no, I appreciate him trying to cover it yeah, up. He did. So, he's trying to muffle it. Yeah, he's trying to muffle it. 20th. 20th. Okay, for Frank right now. So, <laughs> I said right in the middle. I said 19th or 21st. I was right around. Right right in the middle. But, uh, you know, it and made me. Darts, I'd be really good. It made me wonder since Arkansas has never had a number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. First question would be will they ever? Yeah. And second question would be if they do. What position will it be? Because quarterback seems to be all the rage when it comes well, to number one overall picks, just right. like in everything else in football. They're always mm-hmm. the Heisman winners. They're, all, they're always the award winners. They always get all the praise, all the glory, all that. Well, you'd say it's probably not going to be a running back. Like if McFadden's kid grows up and yeah. comes to Arkansas and is like the great and wins like four Heismans, still. Running back's just not running that position anymore. Generally doesn't go, I mean... You know, you know, never's a big word, but generally running backs just don't. You're more likely at like left tackle to go number one, yeah, than running back. That's just the 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 way the game is right now, um, because of the longevity of your career to invest that much money, and so you'd have to just say, just based on the logic of the draft, that it would have to be like you know the sire of Tyler, Tyler Wilson coming up and being the number one draft pick, something like that, you know. So you feel like it'd have to be a quarterback like, yeah. if, if it ended up being the case. I, it's I mean, just based on the logic of the draft. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and where it's going. Because here's the thing. Football's always changing. It's always adjusting. There's always going to be times where, you know, for a while there, we mentioned running backs. Right? Running backs were hot commodities. Mm-hmm. It's In fact, you would make an argument that some of the best players in the NFL at some, some periods in time were running backs. And it's even just as recent as 10, 15 years ago, uh, you had that, but just if you look at just the few, the past few uh, number one overall picks. Obviously, the past two have been quarterbacks, both from Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Before that, you actually had Miles Garrett, the defensive end, go number one overall. But before that, you also had a quarterback and another quarterback, then another defensive end, then a tackle, then another quarterback, 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 then a tackle, then a quarterback. So it's, I'd say more than half the time it's going to be a quarterback. But if Arkansas is going to have a number one overall pick, do you think like they can get a quarterback? At Arkansas, of all places, that can be good enough, successful enough, and built around enough to be a number one overall pick, to have that type of caliber player. Well, I mean, what you got to have, like, is an. This is going to be a good and bad example all at once. You need another Mitch Mustang that pans out, though. You need that number one parade all American that's in your state kind of guy. So that part you had, the in state guy that's like. Everybody in the country wants him, number one quarterback in the country guy, but then he comes to college and like lives up to that. That makes sense? Yeah. That's what, you know, so you just got to have like the genetic lottery in your state or that perfect move in when he's in the sixth grade or something Mm -hmm. along that line happen. Because I guess the closest thing that Arkansas has actually had to having a big-time quarterback that actually panned out and lived up to that expectation, I know it's not completely recruited out of high school, but Ryan Mallett was, by most accounts, the number 2 quarterback in his class that year, or top-five player overall. He's right behind Jimmy Clausen, if you remember him, Mm -hmm. uh, by most accounts. 
But he was a five-star. He was a big-time caliber quarterback when he came to Arkansas, lived up to the expectation. But then he, he fell all way back for other reasons. I don't think it had necessarily to do with just his talent. But that, that's the thing is finding the perfect storm of, of not only getting a great quarterback that lives up to the hype like you, but is also a quarterback that fits the mold of what the NFL is looking for. Mm-hmm. Because there's no question nowadays what the quarterback position or what uh, teams are wanting their quarterback position to be is completely different from, say, five, six, seven years ago. I mean, if you just look at it, Andrew Luck and Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford, those guys were the well, number one overall picks. But nowadays they're going Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, well, guys like say, that. That was my next thought was the mold has been broken a little bit. Mm-hmm. And did that start with a guy like, say, Russell Wilson, who's come in and proven you don't have to be 6'3", 6'4". You don't have to fit this prototypical body type. And NFL executives and head coaches are willing to look. And, and listen, the RPO game has changed a lot of this. Things we're seeing, and, and this goes back to things we've heard Chad Morris right here at Arkansas talk about. And and he's not the only one. It's not like he's the, the inventor of this, this thought, but he's, he's certainly you know furthered the conversation about a lot of this stuff is not invented in, in the pros and in college. Where, where is this, this these... Uh, inventions or these uh, developments of offensive football coming from high school high school football coaches you know coaches like like a Rick Jones at Greenwood Arkansas and programs like that that are you know they meet with other coaches and and a lot of these new schemes and new ideas and ways to put their their athletes in a better position to be successful at the high school level, because coaches at that level, they can't go out and just pick their kids or you know, they got to do with the most with what they have. So they, be inventive, be creative. And a lot of these things that have worked have come from the bottom up. A lot of times we think about football being invented from the top down, that everybody steals from the NFL down to college, down to high school. A lot of these offensive ideas, when you listen to these coaches talk about, they've come from the high school levels and worked their way up. And a lot of these wrinkles we're seeing in the RPO game, which the RPO game is really nothing new. I mean, the read option game has been around for decades. It's just being reinvented a little bit. But a lot of it has been reinvented from the high school level and worked its way up, and it's taken the longest to get back to where? The NFL. Mm -hmm. Because what we're seeing is it has been successful on high school levels. Those quarterbacks come to college. These college coaches say, well, let's – this guy was winning a lot of games in high school doing this and eluding a lot of great defenders in Texas high school football or or wherever. Let's try this. It works at college. Now we're starting to see a little bit more of that work its way into the pro game. And I also think that that's why you see a lot more successful true freshman, redshirt freshman quarterbacks translating into the college game a lot more quicker than what they used to. Because if you if you remember, Tommy, and I know you do, if you had a true freshman quarterback that started at your school, it was either meant something was really wrong mm-hmm. or their the expectation was really high on him. Like they would, it was just not it wasn't happening, right? I mean, look at even Mitch Mustaine, who was number one overall in everything as a true freshman. It's not saying he played terrible, but he definitely didn't have great numbers, and and he wasn't the only one during that time. You just didn't hear of true freshman quarterbacks coming in as at eighteen, nineteen years old. And setting the world on fire. But now look at what we're seeing. We're seeing guys that are coming in, and, and it's not just true freshmen, but just, you know, redshirt freshmen or sophomores, guys that are really young in the game, 
They just come in and boom, they set the world on fire. Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, uh, guy, even a guy like, of course, Tua over at Alabama. I mean, yeah. he was kind of setting the mold. Jalen Hurts before Tua did a really good job as true freshman year. And I think that that's one of the main parts of it is because of how quickly it has translated the high school game, the college game. There's a lot more similarities than what there used to be. So right. it's a lot more comfortable for these big time players to step in a system that they know how to do and be able to have the same freedoms that they had once they were in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's it's what's making the game change, but it's not necessarily changing it for the worse. I think it's changing it for the better because it makes for exciting brand of football. And the NFL, now you see what Patrick Mahomes did last year and the type of things that he's doing. That's well, what NFL teams want. They want that type of football because not only is it effective, but it's also exciting. It's just Tommy Craft theory here, so it, may hold, it probably holds no water. But I think the offense is working its way in, in some part from bottom up. We're seeing some of this stuff... But I think the defense still is coming from top down because I think when we, you know, some of this stuff comes out and nobody knows how to stop some of these things. But it seems like these defensive sages, these defensive gurus in the NFL that have nothing more to do than work 27 hours a day watching film and figuring out how to stop these guys are always the ones that figure it out first. Oh, yeah. So the schemes that work to stop some of these things always seem to come from the NFL and then are filtered down. Yeah. So defense, I think, still comes from the top down. But offense seems to see more invention from the high school level that comes up. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that in in offense, not in all cases, because I know it's a team effort, but in offense, it's really reliable on having one player. You have to have a great quarterback. Yeah, if you don't have... I mean, it doesn't matter how great your... I mean, it does matter how great your line and all that is. But the RPO and all that stuff doesn't work unless the quarterback himself can pull it off because he's the... He's the key to it. Right. If he can't sell that play when he gets there and he reads the end, which is the whole key to and then has the threat to run, you gotta have the dual threat, then the whole thing is I mean, mm-hmm. the, the defense isn't gonna buy on it. Yeah. And in the high school that's the whole thing is can you trick the defense there when you get to the when you read the end. In the high school level and the college level, if you have a great quarterback, that's going to help you win games just based on that alone. But on the defensive side of the ball, you can't just have one great linebacker and you be good. I mean you have to have elite players on every position in order to stop that one quarterback and to be able to contain them, to be able to defend them, to be able to do all of that. And that's why the NFL level is because you have the greatest athletes. All the players run four fours. You know, even the defensive linemen are out there with really fast speed and they also have great strength and great ability. And I think that's probably more so what it is, is because it's more of a team effort on defense to be able to slow it down. But on offense, you can get away with it with just having one great player. Again, not saying that that's all you have to have. But you can overcome so many different things if you have just a great quarterback that's being able to make it work out. But who knows? Hey, if Arkansas can do it, maybe with Chad Morris and the type of style that he runs, maybe at but, some point they can get to that. But to bring it back to where we started the conversation, will Arkansas ever have a number one overall draft pick? And it, would it be a quarterback? You just have to be darn lucky. I mean, mm-hmm. this it would you would have to have that that Corliss Williamson once in a generation type football player. Probably is an Arkansan that decides to come here. Who has been that once-in-a-generation football player from our state? Who has been the greatest Arkansan in football? McFadden. You'd have to say Darren McFadden. I mean, is there, is there really any other answer? And he wasn't necessarily a quarterback, although he could throw he, it a little He a did little play bit. quarterback at times. Right. And you went 500 in SEC play with him. Great. Great. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a quarterback, but like you said, Tommy, 
when will that be and if you can get that right. lucky that's so what's when's come the down next to. McFadden type player come along and will he be a quarterback yeah and who will be the coach too because that's another big important thing all the pieces have to come together at once you're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast brought to you by the all new Natural Light Natterdays the new beer of the summer with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist Natterdays fun for every occasion they won't catch him Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house I mean, I think I need a new laptop. I need you to buy me one. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, because yeah. uh, I've had this. That's I've had First National Bank of Tommy right yeah, here. I yeah. mean, that's what I, that's what the right. uh, perception is. Sure. I've had this laptop. It's a MacBook. I've had it since 2010. Okay. And my, you got your money for it. Well, my three of my vowels, or I guess four of my vowels, depending on it, on the keyboard don't work. And I need these A-E-I-O-U. vowels. A-E-I-O-U. Which ones are uh, And why, if you consider it. Because some people consider why a vowel. Why? Why would you consider why? I don't know. That's just what people say. But my, no, it's O. Pat and Vanna don't. It, it's right here in the uh, in the top, you know, of the keyboard. That's the Y, U, I, and O keys mm-hmm. that don't work. On my keyboard, I've got to get a new keyboard in my office because the shift on the left side is not. It's about wore out. Well, see, then we can get two computers at once. You can get me a new. MacBook. I don't need a computer. I just need a, a, a keyboard. No, ten dollar keyboard. You can get me a new MacBook. And then you can get yourself a new keyboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we all win. And I'm glad also, also by the way, Officer Breeden called in and said that you can eat the pizza that he brought us because, you know, they're on this diet. Yep. If you just scrape the toppings off and eat that instead of having the crust because, you know, just eat the toppings because it's cheese and eggs and sauce. And so- That's just protein. It's pro- protein. That would fit. Yeah. All right. Talk me into it. Yeah. We're, we're all about protein. And also, since, you know, we're on this conversation, it was brought up. That during the commercial break, that Ty Richardson feels like he is far and away, without question, without doubt, in better shape than me and Tommy. Like, it's not even, uh, oh, you know, maybe, I feel like I'm, I'm probably be, but it'd be close. No, no, no. He feels like, between me well, and Tommy, he is just far and away in better shape he's, than us. He's definitely leaner. I will give him that. But that doesn't mean he's in better shape. Yeah, because there is a he's, big difference. He's, he's pretty scrawny. I'm not sure he could even bench press the bar much less much weight on it so i don't know i mean shape is just all in how you define it Mm -hmm. fitness has a lot of different definitions you probably could outrun us probably have more endurance on a you know a treadmill or some kind of running deal but that doesn't mean you're you're necessarily in better shape so how do you define better Well, there's a lot of different ways to define fitness tie yeah it depends on the fitness test that you were you were referring to. I mean, well, I'm going to CrossFit next week with John because it's bring a friend next week to CrossFit. Tommy, I'll be happy to go work out with you anytime you want. I think and by the second or third hour of the workout, you'd be crying. <laughs> okay, that's you can look at it that way. You can think that. Oh. Man, well, see, that's the thing is that it's very competitive here on the morning rush, and obviously, all of us feel that we have our own respective fitness goals that we do and we have our own exercises and our own workouts that we do i would hope a 24 year old young man would be in better shape than see that's the thing is the pressure's on ty like it's not on tommy or me it's on that's why that's why i'm confused where you're arguing the point here well i mean you're saying it as though it's like some kind of like it's not even a question and it's stupid to even i mean fathom that because tommy's you're how old 24 and you're 43 right so it's 19 years so yes it's not a question i'm in better shape and you feel like you're far and away better shape than me too right? it's not as the deficit isn't as <laughs> the large deficit. but yeah okay well i guess we'll find out next week just how good a shape you're in in crossfit because that's the thing is like i could be in great cross crossfit shape but 
Yeah, it doesn't that, mean tie. I mean, that's the thing is it's different. It's di- you it, do different workouts, you get used to different things. When you get used to exactly right, that's why you always got to be mixing up your routines. Yep. Because because I know, I know Tommy's routine. I can go run a couple of miles, and that's not a problem. But you start changing up the pace. You start changing up inclines. You start start just doing a whole other routine of workouts, and then you're like, you know, I just I lost a lung somewhere back there, you know. <laughs> Well, and see, I kind of know what your workout is, Tommy, because I know that you rely on the treadmill a lot. Because in your job, when you're officiating, you got to run a lot. I mean, it's kind of the thing. It's part of my routine, right? It's just part of it. I'm not saying it is only your routine, but it's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, in my in the workout that I do, I do a lot of burpees and squats. That's just it seems like every single workout I'm doing is squats. Those are two things I try to stay away from. I know, lucky me, right? And then so I don't know what Ty does as far as his workout. I know that he he goes to the gym. I do know that. Better not be stealing my protein shakes, but. As far as what your workout is, what would you say you do the most? You rely on the most. So, according to Doctor Heim, I have a, he thinks I have a torn meniscus. So I got an MRI. So I have been biking instead of running. I used to run a mile every day before. Yeah, so we'll have a we'll have. A so Tommy could beat you in running then. I probably could still beat him even with the torn <laughs> meniscus. Yes, we got to set this up somehow. Got to set it up. Because hey, I remember when I, before I started You here, can't beat someone 19 years older than you. Then That's ooh, why, that's, that's why I, don't, I don't get why we're having this like well, argument. Well, it's just it's more, more for fun's sake because yeah. we're all competitive and we like mm-hmm. to talk trash to one another. But I remember before I even started here, like the week before I started on this show, uh, Ruskin and Tommy and Nick had a 40-yard dash contest. Right. So you could run the fastest 40. Now, it was no question who ran the fastest 40, and that Nick. would be Nick Mason. Because right. Nick Mason does not go to the gym, but yet he still looks like he could play right. D1 basketball. That's just how he's built. But I will say that Tommy was faster than what I thought he would and be. And I'm, I'm, I'm in much better shape today than I was then. So, I mean, he, he's he got some speed on He's got some wheels. I'm not, I'm not arguing that Tommy's not in shape, but he's in shape, let's put it in context, for his age. <laughs> There's a big difference. There's between, an asterisk next to this. There's a big difference between being in shape and then being in shape for your. He's clearly in shape for his age, mm. but when you match up against even a 24 year old with the torn meniscus, it's still so not. Could you run a 40 yard dash? Honestly, just haven't. I haven't run in since okay. well, we January. Need, well, we need to set that up again, Tommy. Find a way to go out there and run a 40 yard well, dash and see see how we've developed from last year. At least see how much. Uh, here's one thing I know without question. If y'all want to try this out. You can. I'm out. Breeding would whoop us all. Oh, power so, clean? <laughs> on anything. So if you want to mess with Officer Breeding on he any of fitness judge. test, get after it. But yeah. I'm out. Yeah, he needs to be the one that uh, gives the uh, fitness Yeah, test. I was going to say, he he knows a lot of different aspects of that. He could set up each competition for he, all of us and what, us. We need to do, what we need to do. He'd kill us. Like, he'd find, he would look at us and be like, I know what he, this person needs, and so let's make him do it and just absolutely torture himself. If you've got, like, you're out there listening to this conversation, like, when are they going to talk about sports? We'll get to it. Hey, this is sports, powerlifting. If you have this, like, vision in your mind of what a drill sergeant looks like. That's Officer Breeden. He is, like, the prototypical image of a drill sergeant. Like, if like you drop your kid off at basic training... Officer Breeden is going to be there at the at the bottom step of the bus. Yep, the meeting. That that's that's who's there. A lot of upper this body is, weight. This is who, this is who our buddy is here. Yep. So he'd be the perfect person to do this. Yep, you can and you can tell just by his the way he stands, his his body language, his posture, and, the whole bit. Yep. Yeah, and then the fact he has no hair, it's completely bald <laughs> on there. He he would be the perfect drill sergeant at basic training. So he'd be the perfect person to do, conduct 
I'm telling you. See, we're we're brainstorming yep. here on this show. We're gonna we're gonna make this happen. We're gonna put it together. We're gonna put it on some film. We're gonna make it He's work. Right about these topics. Yeah, and then see, Tommy's over there chowing down on the healthy part of the breakfast yep. pizza, which is the cheese and the sausage. And thanks the for the phone call. On that. Yeah, no. See, he's he's trying to help us out already. Trying to get help you with your diet, so that way you eat a little healthier too. Although, man, it, it's it's tough. I I would all be about the crust too. Can't, is it pizza without crust? What does it become? Mm-hmm. Just toppings. I I'm just happy Tommy's eating some of it. I'm proud of you, Tommy. I'll run it off. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're proud as punch, Tommy. We're proud of you. <laughs> They're scraping, scraping off the eggs of a breakfast pizza and putting them in your mouth right I've here. really arrived. On the morning rush. Yeah, it just took you, what was it, how long have you been doing the show? 13 years no, now? I've really arrived. 13 years, and it took you this long to finally, jeez, Tommy, 13 years on a single radio show. That's impressive. That's something that you need some sort of like just metal. Just one more day. You need Hope a I make it through the rest of the show today. You may, may not, not make another hour. Uh oh. You may, you may, may go not missing. make it through this hour. You may go missing here in a bit. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I'm glad Hope we got the that out of doesn't the... get to me. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer. Welcome in Scott Tabor, the former Razorback pitcher. Scott, appreciate you joining us this morning. How you doing? You bet. Good morning. Good morning. The rain's gone. The sun's out. It's going to be a great day. That's right. And also this weekend, as we've alluded to, your College World Series team is going to be honored from the 1979 year. So I'm sure you're really excited about that as well. Yeah, it's uh, they're starting to do some things at school, which is fantastic that they have finally started doing that. They're honoring the 2009 World Series team for their 10th anniversary and the 79 team for our... <clears throat> 40th anniversary. (laughs) Sorry, Ty, it's a little bit older than you. Uh, Yeah, but it should be a great weekend. Get to see some guys we hadn't seen for for years and years and years and and have a really, really good turnout, it seems like. So will the grounds crew be on the standby to fill the divots with the walker holes when you... So you know, how, you how will they fill? anywhere, uh-huh. anywhere but there? It's, I'll be, I'll be anxious to see how uh, what kind of shape people are in, mm-hmm. and I know they're all going. Oh, it's man, been raining. I, I mean, the, the ruts from the wheelchairs could be uh, <laughs> detrimental. There, I've hey, got the big fat tires yeah, on mine. Yeah. Hey, seriously, um, I was looking at the the latest RPI. You know, and everybody says, "Well, this midweek series." And listen, RPI right now uh, on April twenty sixth doesn't really matter a whole lot. But Arkansas dropped from third to eighth, and guess who's now eked ahead of Arkansas? That'd be good old Tennessee coming in for the weekend. No At number six, yeah. Arkansas has has inched back to number eight after being uh, third. So you know, I bring the point up because this is a huge battle this weekend, not only for SEC standings, but a huge battle for the RPI because these are two top eight teams going at it for three games this weekend. Yeah, and it's uh... – it's that way every weekend in the SEC. And, and you know, the thing about the whole RPI deal, you know, that's become such a, a focal point about getting to host. And, and there's a lot of that that's out of your control. You know, all you can do is play play the games that you play and hope you uh, come out on top like you should. You know, we shouldn't have, have dropped one this weekend, but or this week, but we did. But you also have to worry about, you know, the other teams that you have beaten. Uh, we've gotten to root for Mississippi State against Georgia. If they do really, really well against Georgia, you know, that will help our RPI. So, there's a lot of things that go into that formula. I was watching some of that. I thought, good gosh, you, you win a series and you drop on the RPI because you lose points from other teams that you played. You know, it's kind of a crazy, crazy formula. But I think this team is really, really focused just on who they're playing. They're not worried about RPI because they know if they get in the postseason, 
I think Arkansas is at the point that if they know they get in the postseason, they've always got a very, very good chance to get to the, to the World Series. And once they get there, anything can happen. Well, see, that's what's crazy, Scott, is that the SEC West, I mean, in the top six of the seven teams, there's two games separating them in the SEC West. And seeding is very important. And obviously, Arkansas is still trying to play for that national seed in the right there right. Uh, on, the, on the brink of it. It's just every series from here on out. It means something, obviously, and it's, it's really cliche to say, but this series against Tennessee means everything because one game can make all the difference in the world in this division right now. Sure does. And then the next series against A&M will mean all everything. Then the series against LSU will mean everything. So every, like I said, every weekend, and even now, even the midweek game with the RPI being so important, uh, they no longer just choose who's going to host a regional based on, on fan base and, and stadiums. You know, so they use the RPI and the analytics, and it gets very, very complicated. I, this is a big weekend. You know, Tennessee has had a resurgence. Their pitching, I was looking at some of their stats, and their pitching staff is tough. But but what pitching staff do we face that isn't tough? Because we also have a pitching staff that's tough. So they're hearing the same thing over on their side on their morning talk shows. So it's uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, I was just looking through, you know, in the top 26, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 SEC schools in the top 26. <laughs> Missouri's at 26 this morning. Florida's hey, at 27. Why you come play Ole Miss is at 28. So I just right. keep going down the list here as right. I look. That's, that's why you play in the SEC. That's why you work, 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 yeah. and try to get recruited by an SEC team because if you want to play the best of the best huh. and, and every well, week in, week out, that's where you want to play. To your point, best of the best. Vandy's at two, Georgia's at four, Tennessee at eight. Or Tennessee at six, Arkansas at eight. Four of the top eight are SEC schools. Right. I mean, just right. Brutal. I don't even know why they don't play. Why they even play the season? They should just have a coin flip. Well, see who's going to be in the World Series. Who's going to coach regionals? <laughs> just skip all that stuff. And let's just go straight to it. Wait till the warm weather and have the have the regionals to have the series. And and this doesn't make a lot of sense to people. And I've you know I've had this argument with people before, but you know winning the SEC tournament in Hoover. It's actually a tougher field and a, probably a harder thing to do than winning the College World Series in, <laughs> <know>. in Omaha. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same kind of throughout our league and every sport anymore. It's kind of uh, the, the whole league and everything is, is elevated itself, and uh, everybody else is trying to catch up. But it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing for college baseball. You know, the following down south especially is just getting off the charts. I, I was reflecting back to, you know, in 79. You know, we had 300 fans at a game. It was it was amazing, uh, and that was when we were playing Texas. You know, our, we didn't have a stadium; we just had a few stands. And uh, and then now, even going to the World Series, it was nobody really knew about it. Uh, it wasn't on TV; it went on national TV, and kind of got some paper clippings about it. But things now have just turned around, where it's all become an event, and it's it's great for baseball, it's great yeah. for the game. All right, let's talk about pitchers for Arkansas this weekend. You know, there's there's old Isaiah Campbell again, seven and one, two point four four ERA. He's your game one guy. Wicklander, the lefty, is in for game two, uh, and then game three is the old TBA. But Connor Nolan, after a good weekend uh, and a, just a tremendous uh, outing for seven and two thirds last weekend, you got to feel like he's your man for game three. But uh, Dave is not putting that down in game those. Okay. I think they're going to put. I think they're going to put cops in there. That's just. I just have a feeling on that. You know, it's. Uh, it was great for for Nolan to come back. You know, he had the, the worst case scenario two starts ago. He just he couldn't get it out. And when you start struggling like that, and his struggle wasn't his pitches. He's got great pitches. He's leaving everything up uh, early, going two zero on everybody, and it just you can't have any success when you go two zero on anybody. It doesn't matter who you're playing. So uh, he got that worked out a little bit. He went back out and, and shook off the rust and got back in the groove, which is great. But I think 
I think Cops is tough. You know, he's come back. It's taken a while to come back from, from Tommy John surgery. He's strong. He's got unbelievable stuff. I think they're going to, of course, again, Van Horn never calls me. You know, I've been begging for Wicklander for weeks and weeks and weeks. They finally put him in there. Uh, and I think Cops, that's who I would take for the number three guy. But uh, I'm sure they're going for the strategy of, of who else, who made the, who they may need uh, out of the bullpen in these first two games. You know, you want to win the first two games. It's all hands on deck uh, because then at least you win the first two. Then you know you've got a you've taken the series. And so it'll just be interesting to see who they who they have to pull out of the pen. Uh, got a lot of kids, a lot of kids contributing. Vermillion has really come on. Uh, Costi Shock, you know, is back. And so there's there's some good arms in there. Scott, something that we discussed earlier this week that I want your thought on is that we were comparing just where this team was at now compared to what they were last year. We know it's a different team. you got different players. There's a few of holdovers, but uh, obviously both really good teams. And we, we were trying to look at the possibility of this team making it back to not only Omaha, but making it to the College World Series final, uh, same of what they did last season. Just from what you've seen from this team and, and the makeup and where they're at right now, do you feel like this team overall has what it takes, has enough talent, has the capability of making it back to the College World Series final this year? Would you be surprised if that happened? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. We talked about that early in the season. You know, they, They've got all the components there. Uh, one of the things that we've been waiting for is a big three to heat up. You know, They're the returning guys, even though two of them are sophomores, true sophomores. They're the returning studs, and now they're hitting the ball. You know, Kerstad, Martin, and Fletcher are just just tearing it up, and they're doing the things that everybody was waiting for them to do at the first of the season. Where it usually comes down on a World Series a World Series run or championship run is is who are going to be your surprise heroes? Some guys that that have taken a little while to get cranked up. You know, some new guys, and you've got Azell who's been you know performing great. You've got uh, I tell you who my big surprise is, and this, this last weekend is McFarland. They've been waiting for the guy. He's got incredible power, but he's just has been so inconsistent at the plate. Well, he came in as a designated here this last weekend, did well, or this last week and did well. So I think, you know, because they see him every day in practice, so they stuck him in there, and, and everybody's looking at, you know, why are you putting him in there? He hadn't been in all year. They still practice, and you can get better, you know, with, with repetition. And I think Opitz also uh, is not no longer an automatic out. You know, he's showing a little pop, and he's showing some consistency at the plate. Uh, Curtis Washington the same way. They're, they've still got these guys that they can go to. You never know who's going to rise to the top at, at, the, at a critical moment when, when somebody else is slacking up. And I think they've got a lot of guys in there that they don't have to depend on three or four guys to carry the whole team. Uh, right. and, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm finish up. I was going to ask you the last question here. What? Okay. Go ahead. All right. The chess <laughs> game. The chess game this weekend. Tony Vitalo coming in. Spent, what, four years with Dave Van Horn. Uh just talk about the mental chess game between these two. You know, I don't know if it's student and, and pupil necessarily, but 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 coaches that know each other very well. Just talk about the coaching chess game uh, here in this three game stand. I think over years you're going to see a lot of similarities in what Vitello does uh, based on his coaching experience under, under under Van Horn. Of course, every coach always takes you know what they learn, and every player should also take what you learn from different coaches and. and then apply your own stuff to it and make it your own. Uh, I think you're you're going to see the chess game that you will see is when they're going to play small ball and when they're going to wait for a big, a big, a big inning. You know, every coach wants a big inning. Last year we played for the big inning more than we ever have because we had some guys, a lot of guys that could take it out of the yard. This year we have some speed. Uh, I think we may see some situations early in the game where 
you get a guy on. I mean, the leadoff guy gets on and either a single or a double, and then they bunt him over and play to get that first run, play to get that tying run, at the play, you know, go ahead and score that tying run, some safety squeezes, and so it's a little bit of small ball, and, and then depend on your bullpen, uh, your pitching staff to hold it, hold it tight. But you don't know. You know, I, Van Horn is very, very good at watching the ebb and flow of a game and seeing and has a feel for the game of, of when we may have a big inning. You know, this last week they showed a little, they showed big innings in the first game, the midweek game, and then the, and last week and they showed some big innings. And then the second game this week left guys on, two outs and, and guys on second and third are basically drunk, and then they, they leave them on. So he has a good feel for the ebb and flow, and I think I think Tony also has the same feel. So that's where his success is coming from and how his pitchers are throwing. And that's something that you can only get by experience. And I think the longer Patello's in the game uh, as the head coach calling the shots, I think the better it will be. So it should be interesting this weekend to see see exactly who uh, how they match up. Scott Tabor, former Razorback pitcher. Always appreciate you hopping on with us, Scott. Have fun this weekend and the team being honored from 1979. And uh, Yeah, enjoy it. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.